We don't have to freeze in the face of cancer. It doesn't have to be a death sentence. I just want women to know that there are options. I don't want them to think that they have no options, that they are in a position where they have to do whatever their doctors say. No, they can do some of it, all of it. And in conjunction with it, they can also do alternative therapies because there's lots of them and there's lots of ways to heal. And I think that's the message. Welcome to the Self-Optimised Podcast, where we're big into alternative health and self-development. We talk about the many natural methods that help you become the healthiest, strongest, ultra-optimised version of yourself on all levels. My name is Mark McLean, let's dive in. This week we are joined by Canadian woman Heidi Sorensen, who is a former Hollywood actress model and an ex-Playboy centrefold. But more importantly, Heidi is a mum who was diagnosed with breast cancer literally months after giving birth to her daughter. And with conventional treatments not looking too good, Heidi went down the alternative health route to find the natural ways to overcome cancer. And that was 25 years ago. Today she's a certified counsellor and health mentor for women with breast cancer a public speaker on health and healing, and has recently published a book on conquering breast cancer called The Booby Trap. In today's episode, Heidi talks about her career starring in movies and on TV, and then how her health crisis turned her life upside down. She also tells us how a doctor told her point blank that she was going to die if she didn't follow his advice. She then discusses why trusting her intuition led to finding the perfect medical doctor for her case. And Heidi talks about why the words you use and the thoughts you think have immense power in overcoming disease. Heidi also explains how nutritional changes and finding forgiveness in your life for past hurts are also crucial to beating disease. This is a really interesting one guys, so strap yourselves in and let's go. Hi Heidi, great to chat with you today. Firstly, I want to talk about your career going going back to maybe the 80s and 90s. You were a successful model, a successful actress. Things were going good. Tell me about um, your life back then at the beginning. Yeah, well, that's true. Things were going great. I mean, never it's never as great as you, you think. It sounds, you know, fabulous Hollywood story. It's a lot of work and you go for auditions. You don't always get everything. So, you know, all the work, the body of work that I've done is it sounds like a lot but that was over you know quite a few years but i did have a successful career in modeling and i did a lot of commercials you know all sorts of commercials for cars and pepsi and all that sort of thing so that kept me busy and that paid the rent and then i did do quite a few tv series and feature films at that time there was a lot of episodic tv so i would get little parts or sometimes a little bigger parts doing that and and i was fortunate enough to work with some really you know great actors at that time which was the the 80s mostly early 90s so i I kind of had a lot of work that i did within a you know maybe 15 year period of time i was also performing i was singing in the singing playmates group which was a playboy sponsored group because i was a playboy centerfold in July 1981. 
And so that kept me very busy, traveling all over the world, performing on stages in Las Vegas and all over the world, Asia, South America. And, you know, we had a lot of fun, actually, a lot of fun. And we performed on quite a few TV shows, like The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson at the time. So it was a, you know, it was an exciting time. And I got to see the world and uh, made money and we had lots of fun. So that was another aspect of my career in the early 80s alongside Playboy. So a lot of unusual experiences, you know, a lot of interesting stories there. But but mostly, you know, I, I transitioned from, you know, the modeling world into wanting to be a serious actress and then, you know, had some success there. And then I went into screenwriting from there. So I I, I remembered my strength was mostly around writing as a young person and a child. And so I transitioned from acting into screenwriting quite easily. And that actually was more of my life from, I don't know, mid nineties, early nineties onward. And I'm still doing some of that. So yeah. Awesome. That's quite a lot of jobs in a short amount. Of- yeah, 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 I know. It was busy. <laughs> Good stuff. Now it was age 37, I believe, where life got really good when your daughter was born but then shortly afterwards life fell apart tell us about all of that yeah so it was it was an amazing time I was you know pregnant and I had my my daughter and when she was born I I had noticed a lump in my breast right before I got pregnant it was a very small lump so I didn't really think much about it I was 36 years old it was a very small lump so not easy to feel but I I noticed it I didn't think much about it at the time because I, quite frankly, was very young and very healthy. And that was the last thing that was on my mind was breast cancer. I thought, oh, you know, whatever. It's not a big deal. But then after I had my daughter, I, you know, the swelling in my breast went down from the pregnancy a little bit and I noticed that it was still there. And so that was curious to me and I was a little concerned. So I went in and I had it checked. The radiologist said that don't worry about it. It's just a plugged milk duct and go home, basically. But I knew that wasn't the case because I'd had it before I got pregnant. So I, it didn't make any sense. So I did go home and I, I didn't really think about it too much, but then I noticed it was getting bigger. So I went back to the same guy, the same doctor. And at that time, my daughter was 10 months old. And that's when I got the, um, the, the news that it was breast cancer. So. It was a false negative. And so anyway, that cost me some time. But yeah, so it was, I basically look back on that time as the best and hardest, you know, year of my life because it was literally the best having my daughter and experiencing being a new mother and all that goes along with that. And then getting a diagnosis of breast cancer when my baby is very small and and having to deal with that. Especially as a new mother, you have the hormones, you have everything, you're nursing your baby. So there's a lot that goes around it. It's not just like a, you know, just a regular woman getting breast cancer. I had to deal with a lot with, you know, stopping the nurse, the nursing and, you know, just all that entails having a baby. So yeah, it was a difficult time for sure. You obviously got the diagnosis. That's a big thing in itself, but. It didn't take too long before you decided which path you were going to go down and you decided to go down the alternative health route. Tell us about your thinking behind that and also your doctor's reaction to what you were going to do. Right. Well, it, it's, 
it wasn't an immediate choice, but I, I was skeptical of the chemotherapy and radiation, et cetera, because I had already been, you know, very into alternative health just in my regular life. So I was that person that all my friends would come to and say, Hey, what do I do about this? Or what do I do about that? Or, you know, what's this herb good for? Because I was really into herbs and cleansing and, you know, juicing. And I was making kombucha at home at that time, which was unheard of. No one even knew what that meant. So I was always trying to figure out the next thing and implementing that into my life for my own health. So when this happened, I, I gave it a chance. I went to, you know, the best radiologist in Beverly Hills and had a meeting with her. And before that, I had done quite a bit of research to find out the specific type of breast cancer that I had and if chemotherapy worked for that type of cancer, which I assumed it would. But what I found through all my research and my, my reading was that the type of breast cancer that I had, um, chemotherapy wasn't effective for. And there was no evidence whatsoever that showed that it actually worked. So when I went in for the meeting, I asked the radiologist, I said, what, you know, well, first of all, she spent literally, you know, one minute diagnosing and looking at her notes and saying, okay, I recommend chemotherapy, radiation, and tamoxifen, which is a drug that puts you into early menopause and does all sorts of wonderful things, horrible things. And so when I asked her through my research, I discovered that chemotherapy doesn't work for the type of breast cancer that I have. She, she took a moment and she agreed with me. She said, you're right. There is no evidence. And so I asked the obvious question, which was, you know, why are you recommending it to me? She said she had to just in case. And I just didn't feel that that was good enough for me. I didn't want to, you know, put those sorts of chemicals in my body and endure what chemotherapy does to you just in case. And so, you know, and that was in the United States and in the United States at that time. Um, and, and still that's what doctors recommend chemotherapy and radiation. There's really no other options. Uh, there may be some other, you know, little things that you can do now, but, um, there was no discussion around anything holistic at that time. And, and even still not, not so much. So you're really, you don't have a lot of options. And so when I went to another radiologist to get a second opinion, he told me the same thing. And that doctor actually told me if I didn't do uh, what he said, that I would die. I was in his office and I was holding my brand new baby daughter with my husband. And he actually said that right to my face. Um, and so that was shocking that I could be told by a doctor that I would die if I didn't do what he said. So I just walked out. And I decided that I would have to figure out a different way and find a doctor that I resonated with and that I could trust and have a rapport with because I really believe that that's super important. If you don't trust your doctor and if you don't have rapport, uh, how can you heal? Because your body, you, you hold all that in. If you're not trusting and not believing, that's going to limit the ability to heal. So that's what I did. I left and I got a lot of pushback from a lot of people. So, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine your family and your friends and a lot of people would have been trying to push you in that direction, worried about, about their well-being, caring for that's you. Right. But it's, at the end of the day, it's your body, it's your decision. What was the next step for you and how did you find the right practitioner for your case? 
Yeah, I I took a little time. You know, I wanted to be I wanted it to be my decision. I wanted to have a I didn't want to be a victim in all this. I wanted to feel right about it. I needed that intuitive guidance to say yes, this is the right thing. And I think as people and especially women, we have a tendency to acquiesce and just do what we're told when we are faced with something life-threatening like cancer. We just want to believe that other people know what they're doing and we just kind of say, sure, I'm going to do that because that's what they're telling me to do. And I think that's a mistake. I think we really do need to listen to our intuition a little bit more and find out what feels right for me. And even though you know, we're not doctors, so we can't make all of those choices, but we can look around a little bit, you know, maybe interview more than one doctor, listen, ask questions, do your own research, be proactive. And I think that's, you know, one of my messages for women is that not to become a victim just because we're faced with something so difficult. And so what I did was I took a little time and I, um, as soon as I started to relax and not be in that hyper state of fear, the right doctor appeared for me. And that was, you know, through a uh, referral, a friend of a friend. And so when I met this doctor, I, I knew instantly, and he is a um, medical doctor, but he also practices alternative methods. And so that felt right to me. I had the experience, he had the experience behind him. And he also had this method that I truly believed in. And when he spoke to me, I trusted him fully. And so I was able to go into that healing process feeling really good about what I was doing. Yeah, and I suppose you couldn't really underestimate the, the power of that, having that trust in the doctor. And I suppose that would also remove an element of fear going into your treatment. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. I mean... Cancer is a scary, it's a scary disease. And, you know, there's a lot of unnecessary fear. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a death sentence. And like I was, I had mentioned in my book in the 1950s, there was a, a huge campaign in the United States to create this atmosphere of fear around cancer so that people would actually come in and get checked. But they thought that the only way to get people in was to create a campaign around fear. And so, that became kind of the model for, for treating cancer. It just kind of became almost like its own disease, the fear of cancer. And so, yeah, it's scary. But at the same time, we have options. We don't have to freeze in the face of cancer. It doesn't have to be a death sentence. There are lots of things we can do. Chemotherapy and radiation are just two options. You mentioned your book there that's just recently been published. That's called The Booby Trap. Tell me your thinking behind that quite quirky title. I know. Well, you know, first of all, I made it kind of in an interesting looking cover with a, a woman who's like super, super woman, right? And it's called The Booby Trap. And I, I did that because, you know, I had, it has bright, colorful, you know, colors and a lot of books that I, wanted to read at that time. I was looking for books that could help inspire me or give me alternative ways to heal my body. They're all just so serious and so sad and, you know, sad stories. And yeah, it is a sad story, but it's just one story in the course of our life. It doesn't have to be so incredibly sad. And the way I chose to heal was not like that. Of course, I went through the fearful stage, but I found ways to curb that fear and move forward. And I found strategies. So 
the book is basic on how to do that, you know, without staying in that fear place and finding strategies to move past it and heal yourself. And so the booby trap is a couple of things. It's the trap of the Western medical system that wants to put you in that box and keep you there and control it because that's what they know. Yes, doctors are great. You know, they are great for many things, but they're not God. They don't know everything. They don't know if you're going to die if they tell you 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 know to do something or you'll die that's not true maybe in some extreme cases yes but there are always options so the booby trap title is kind of a couple of things it's that which i i think is a kind of a trap and the second thing is our thoughts and and how we deal with it that can be a trap so we get caught in fear we get caught in confusion and and not knowing what to do and not understanding that there are multiple ways to heal ourselves. Yeah, and there's a, a chapter within the book that I really love where you talk about the immense power of words, the words you use, the words mm. in your, your head as you go through your healing journey. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I believe, you know, that words, and I think we all kind of know this to a certain degree, words have power. You know, they have a frequency. Scientists can measure, you know, thought. So words and thoughts, the same kind of idea. Um, you know, so thoughts are things. I mean, even Ralph Waldo Emerson said, you know, we become what we think about all day long. Einstein, you know, this is not news. People, people know that the words that we use and, and the thoughts that we have are, are powerful. So I do a lot of work or I did a lot of work when I had breast cancer around this topic. I'd studied the power of the subconscious mind for years. I found it fascinating. So. I know that we have the ability to manifest things that we believe in and you know, if we, if we focus on. And so we do that with our thoughts. And if we're walking around saying, I'm, I have cancer. I don't feel good. I might die in all of these, these thoughts and words that you're just bringing about what you're thinking about. And of course, when I had breast cancer, that's what happened to me. I was like, I'm going to die. You know, this is terrible. And I had immediately had all of these scenarios that played out in my mind of all the horrible things that could happen because it's so shocking. You can't control it. Your brain just goes crazy. And so I knew that if I stayed in that state of mind, that that would be detrimental to my healing and the outcome. And I didn't want to take that chance. So I became hypervigilant about the thoughts that I had. And I sort of learned how to become a deliberate thinker and create a scenario for myself that looked great. And so I was micromanaging my thoughts all day long. I literally would stop the thoughts in their tracks. If one of those horrible th thoughts came into my mind, I would just stop it. I would say, I cancel that thought, like immediately in my mind or sometimes even out loud. I cancel that thought and then I would just replace it with something. I'm going to be well. I'm perfectly healthy. My body is healing, you know, all of these wonderful things. And that went on all day. Sometimes that would happen. I don't know. 50, 100 times a day in the beginning. And then I finally, it, it finally started to kind of sink in and I didn't have to do it as much anymore because I wanted to give myself the best possible chance for a perfect recovery. And so that was kind of the strategy I had. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that, but I write about it in my book, you know, more in detail. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are a lot of really impressive tips and pieces of advice you give people and a few of them that, that I'll touch upon that caught my attention. One, healthy nutrition is, is obviously key. Yeah. Again, the, the control of your thoughts. 
And then also you mentioned addressing emotional wounds. So let's, let's touch upon each of those three and, and expand upon those a little. Sure. Yeah. The emotional wounds. I mean, our body and our mind, as, as a lot of us know, work as a system. They work in tandem. So, you know, what we're feeling, what we're going through, the emotional traumas, especially as a child or, or not even, even as adults, you know, those things our bodies hold on to. They become these kind of, as Eckhart Tolle calls them, it's part of your pain body. So it becomes part of this, you know, network in your body that's holding on to all of this trauma and pain. And, you know, a lot of, especially in Chinese medicine, physicians believe that we store this and women with breast cancer, you know, tend to store anger or you know, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a big one. So things that, you know, have happened perhaps, you know, like in my case, my father left the family and I, I guess my body interpreted that as, you know, an abandonment. And so I had issues around that and unforgiveness around my father. And so there's a lot of things that we hold on to and store in our bodily system that can create dis-ease or a disease. And so I think it's, it's very important for for everyone, for women with breast cancer to really go back and take a look at their lives and see what are, what are those things? What are those moments in your life that, that could have created some of these, these emotional traumas that you, you need to release? And so I, I did that. I worked a lot on doing that, different systems for that. The other thing is nutrition. I mean, huge, obviously. When I had breast cancer, I became just so strict with my diet and it, it was important for me to do that because I was, I felt like I needed to save my life. I had a brand new baby. What were my choices? Be sloppy and eat things that weren't good for me and maybe take my chances or, you know, really do it seriously. I was extremely disciplined. I didn't eat any sugar at all. I eliminated all, you know, anything white, like white flour or white, like pasta or anything like that, no alcohol whatsoever. I was eating a lot of raw foods. I was drinking green juices. I was, you know, taking the supplements and herbs. So there was a lot that went into that for me. And I think that's, I, I don't expect everyone to do it as, as crazy as I did. But for me, it was more than just saving my own life. I was basically doing it for my daughter as well. I had this little baby that I needed to be around for. So it became just this intense project for me to kind of do everything I possibly could. Heidi, let's also um, talk about the book itself and where people can buy the book, where they can find you. And if there is a woman out there who's really resonating with what you're saying, she's maybe going through a, a breast cancer journey at the moment, how could she possibly connect with you? Yes, I, the book is just now being released. It's called The Booby Trap and it's on Amazon. So right now you can find it on Amazon. It will be up on my website pretty soon. My website's not live yet, but it will be by the time this is done, probably. <laughs> so my website is holisticbreastexpert.com or you could reach me at Heidi at holisticbreastexpert.com. And I do have, you know, coaching, mentoring services that I provide and have been doing that for some years. So, you know, a lot of people thought that what I did was kind of crazy and outrageous. At that time, it was considered a little bit radical. But the way that I did it, I just found this place of happiness. I found this place of peace and I was able to get through it without all the fear and without all the drama. And once I got over that fearful place, I, you know, people didn't know that I even had 
breast cancer. They were surprised because I was walking around just fine, like happy. I wasn't talking about it. I wasn't ruminating over it. I wasn't discussing it with my friends. I wasn't doing any of those things because I felt like the more attention I put on that, the more I would bring it to me. So I thought all of this was valuable information that I could consolidate and put in a book. And if someone, like you said, is out there and that resonates with what I'm saying, they can pick up the book and go, okay, well, if she can do it, I can do it sort of thing. Because the younger you are, the more aggressive the cancer can be. And so because I was young, it was fairly aggressive. And so, you know, I just want women to know that there are options. I don't want them to think that they have no options, that they are in a position where they have to do whatever their doctors say. No, they can do some of it, all of it. And in conjunction with it, they can also do alternative therapies because there's lots of them and there's lots of ways to heal. And I think that's the message. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an important thing to underline. What we're seeing here, it's not a case of ignore your doctor, do this. No. It can yeah. be a mix of both. You could use these therapies to complement the, the mainstream methods. That's and, right. But let's just finish, Heidi, with three key pieces of advice that you would maybe give to any woman who's diagnosed with breast cancer at the moment. Yeah, read the book. <laughs> That's one thing. Also, you know, like trust your intuition. I think it's really important for women, especially, to trust their intuition and not just acquiesce to whatever someone else thinks. Use the doctor's advice. Use your own intuition. Make a decision based on all of that information. Do the research. And also find a way to release all of the stuck emotions and trauma. I think that's super important. The unforgiveness. Who do you need to forgive? That's a really big one. And diet, obviously. Find a way to, if you can't do it right away, take small steps and eliminate certain things like sugar and all the stuff that we know was not good for us. Processed foods and, you know, start eating more raw foods and more whole foods. Really key. And then walk, walk in nature, go out in nature, you know, exercise, breathe. All of those things kind of add up to a healthy life and can really help in the healing process. 